I want to share something with you that I, I shared a little bit of this with our leadership yesterday, and um, I want to uh, I want to share this with you as well. You know, we're we're coming to a time, and and what, what the the message I'm going to speak to you today, I would con- I probably consider this to be a uh, an extremely prophetic message because I'm going to talk to some things that are that that are transpiring in the spirit, some things that are happening in the Holy Ghost, happening in the spirit that uh, we need to be aware of as, as uh, God's people. And so um, open up your Bibles with me uh, to the book of, um, I think it's the book of Matthew. Let me check real quick. <clears throat> the book of Matthew, chapter 7. <clears throat> Y'all have to excuse me. I've been having some, uh, um, some things happen with my throat here. I'm battling with some things. Matthew chapter uh, chapter 7, and uh, we're going to start um, why, does, why does it always ask you to rate the Bible app when you're pre... They know it's Sunday. They know it's Sunday. They know it's Sunday morning. Program the thing to not talk to you on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Oh, it must be. <laughs> he just got done. Let's see if he'll rate us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm dragging here for a second is because I want to, I want to make sure that um, I want to make sure that I I read the right uh, thing here, um, that I start in the right place. Anyhow, I want to speak to some things that are uh, that are that are happening in the uh, in the in the spirit. In some people are aware of, thank you, Rachel, some people are aware, you know, some people have an awareness of spiritual things. They're aware of the things of the Spirit. You know, Jesus said something, and the Bible said something uh, that I thought was interesting, and that I always find interesting. Let him that has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you know what that implies? That implies some people don't hear too good. And I've, and I've met people that are Bible people, People that are Christians, and so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I don't want anybody to hear it that way because many times I'll get up here and I'll talk and I'll say some things, and you guys go, ooh, you know, almost like I'm, I'm uh, rebuking somebody or I'm, you know, cutting somebody down or something, um, <laughs> roasting somebody. That's not the purpose of me saying these things. I, I'm saying these things because I think most of us are aware of the fact that there are some people that are uh, that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, and then there are some people that they're they're God they're uh, they're certainly God's people. They they ha- they they know Jesus as their Savior, and uh, they're 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 church going people, but they don't have much of an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying because some people have never tuned their ear to hear. What the Spirit is saying. You know, that's, that's what makes the Spirit-filled life or the, the walk after the Spirit um, difficult is that, you know, the Bible says that we're to, as God's people, that we're to walk after the Spirit so that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, do you know what makes that complicated? He's invisible. I mean, if the Holy Spirit was visible and we could see him and he showed up here and he said, come on, y'all, follow me. We could follow him everywhere. We, we may be following him to Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? We, it would be clear to us. If he was visible, we could look into a meeting and into a service and say, yep, there he is. Come on, y'all. Amen. Let's, let's jump in. But, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're reluctant. You know, some of us are reluctant uh, to, to, uh, 
to connect with certain people or to jump in, you know, in certain services or to go to certain places because we're not really sure, you know, what, what's happening, what's going on. And uh, because we don't, you know, we don't, we don't always recognize the spirit. But, but here's the thing, church, the Bible, the Bible tells us that if we have an ear to hear, hear. And so uh, that, what, that, what that implies is, is that there will be those that don't develop that ear to hear what the spirit is saying. But the Spirit is saying something. The Spirit is saying something. God's Spirit is moving in this nation. Something is happening. Something is happening. And, and many of us that are a part of this fellowship, many of us have become aware of it because we ourselves have been arrested by the Holy Ghost. And we're beginning to see evidence that it's not just here that He's working. It's not just at Winter's Church. You know, there was a time that we would, we would have a move of the Spirit, and, you know, we wouldn't hear nothing about anybody else really having anything going on. But now, all of a sudden, it's, it's kind of like popcorn. Things are, things are happening. And it, it's not in full swing yet, but something's going on. So when God begins to... When God begins to move in that fashion, when God begins to work in that way, it is extremely important for us to have a firm foundation. Don't ask me what to name this. Just, that, just write that down. Firm foundation. <laughs> they always ask me for a title after everything. I, I don't title anything because I, I, uh, I don't really prepare a sermons. Um, I get messages, and then, you know, whatever we get out of it, then that's what we got out of it. But we've got to make sure that we're established on a firm foundation. And I don't believe the body of Christ has been on a firm. There has been so much foolishness that's gone on in the body of Christ and such a lack of a hearing ear amongst most of God's people. In fact, I'll go, I go to revival services and uh, sometimes we'll break out in revival the last months and months and months on end. And nearly the whole time I'm in, re in that revival, do you know what it is that I'm preaching and teaching on? How to be led by the Spirit. I, I get out Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, that's where, that's where we start nearly every revival service that we have. And you know what? People come and they come in droves. After we begin to speak about, they come in droves. You know why? Because most people, and I say this during these services, I, I, would, I would venture to say that 98% of people in the body of Christ don't know how to walk after the Spirit. If, if, I, if I said to y'all, get in the Spirit right now, this, it, probably in this church there would be more people that would know how to get in the Spirit than most of the Most of the churches I go to, if I said, all right, y'all, get in the Spirit right now, they'd look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. Amen. <laughs> he always has phone challenges everywhere. <laughs> we know what we can hear, Alexa and Siri. <laughs> but that's a that's the that's the cha that's the challenge for 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 God's 
for God's people. 98%. I was watching a guy, I was watching a charismatic, full gospel, spirit-filled preacher uh, in Louisiana one time. Ted, were the, Ted and I were over there. We were doing ministry at some church. I can't remember. Maybe it was at uh, Magnolia Christian Center. Maybe we were in Arkansas. But we were in the Arklatex area. We were in that. Maybe we were at Ben's church. But I was watching at a hotel, this preacher was preaching, and he began to talk about the Holy Spirit and the move of God. He began to talk about having a hearing ear. He began to talk about having, uh, being filled with the Spirit and things of that nature. And as he, began to, as he began to talk about these things, as he began to speak about this stuff, in the, right when he came toward the middle of his message, he said this, he said, I, I apologize for, I apologize for coming, trying to, you know, come across as being, you know, a, a spiritual and when he said that, I thought, isn't that what we're supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to be spiritual? Isn't that, isn't that what's supposed to, to separate us from all the other people that are on planet Earth? Isn't it, isn't it that we don't walk to the beat of the drum of this world, but we walk to the beat of the drum of the world to come? Amen. That we're in this world, but we're not of this world? Isn't that, you know, isn't that what Jesus said? Isn't that what Jesus, my God, someone help, someone help him out. Um, isn't that what Jesus said? I mean, when Jesus, when Jesus told his disciples and told the people that were following after him, and I'm just try, I'm trying to uh, just stay with, stay with me here, church. Are you with me? I'm trying to develop something here before we take off because I don't, I don't want you to miss this. <laughs> When Jesus said to, to the people, when he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. You know what religion said? Religion said, oh, Jesus was homeless. That's not what Jesus was saying. In fact, you can read in scripture where there were some people. In fact, we read it, we read it uh, the other day in revival that there were some people that uh, some of his disciples that they said, where do you live? We want to come to your house. And he said, follow me. And they went and they hung out at Jesus's house. Jesus had a house. What Jesus was saying is that I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Amen. I once heard a black preacher. One time he got up and he said, I just came here to tell you I'm just passing through. Amen. I ain't, I'm, I, he said, I, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger in this land. Glory to God. This land is not my home. I'm just passing through here on my way to the other side. Glory to God. He just kept on talking like that. And that's exactly the way that it is. You know, that's, that's, how, God, that's how God intended for his people to be. The Bible, the Bible says about Abraham and those that came ahead of us that we are, they were strangers and pilgrims in this life. Okay. Amen. And so you know what, people, people that uh, aren't familiar with, uh, with Jesus, people that aren't familiar with the things of God, people that aren't familiar with the things of the Spirit, they ought to look at you a little crooked. They ought to tilt their head like a dog. You know, you know how your dog look at you and sometimes tilts his head and kind of look at you kind of strange like, what's up with you? You know, that's, that's, how, that's how some people ought to look at it. They ought to look at us a little different. You know why? Because we ought to be a little different. We shouldn't be making, we shouldn't be making apologies. How many of y'all know that you shouldn't be making apologies to other believers for being in church all the time?
You shouldn't have to, you, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be looking at people that are supposed to be godly people, people that are people of the Spirit, and, and, and have to feel like that you have to give an explanation for why you want to be in the house of God, why you want to be praising God, why you want to be hearing the Word of God, why you want to be praying, why you want to be seeking His face. Amen. Listen, if, if that's not in your heart, if that's not what's working in you, then I, I want to encourage you. You need to get an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the Spirit is talking, amen. And he's, and he's talking louder to this generation than he's talked to many, previous, uh, many of the previous generation. God's speaking and he's speaking loudly. And he's speaking clearly. He's trying to draw us into his presence in a greater measure. Now... Now, I said all that to say this. When God begins to draw us in, you know what happens next? Miracles begin to abound. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus was here on planet Earth, he went about preaching and teaching, and then he would demonstrate what he preached and taught. He would preach, he would teach, and then he would heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. He would do the, do the miraculous. In other words, Jesus went from place to place bringing heaven to earth. Everywhere that Jesus went, heaven came to earth. Every city Jesus went into, heaven would, would descend upon earth. And something supernatural would begin to happen. Now, I know some of you wondering where I'm going with this. And I'm, I'm, still, I'm still developing here. I, I, wanna, I want you to be ahead of this because... There's, there's something that's getting ready to happen in this. We're, we're about to see the greatest awakening that this nation has ever seen ever before. We're, listen, it's not just going to be a great awakening. It's going to be the greatest awakening. It is going to be the greatest awakening that mankind has ever seen and ever known. And when you look at history at, uh, at other times where there was a great awakening in a nation or in the world, it was always, it was always uh, marked with signs and wonders and demonstrations of the power of God's Spirit. Now, we're, we're coming out of a time and out of a season where people haven't been really established in the Word of God. In fact, there's been, there's been such a hunger and such a desire for signs and wonders and miracles and the demonstrations of the power of God that there have been many people who are quote-unquote spirit-filled people that have been willing to uh, call anything supernatural. In fact, uh, you all have heard me tell the story of one time I was in a service and I'd been preaching and a woman took a picture and after service she came and she was, uh, the next day uh, she had the picture and she was showing me the picture and she said, she said, look at this picture. And I looked at it and it was, it was a picture of me. It wasn't very flattering. Um, she caught me from a real bad angle. And uh, I know I'm heavy, but I looked way heavier in that picture. I mean, unless I'm just deceiving myself. Anyway, so I looked at that picture. I thought, my God, I, I said, looks like the Goodyear blimp, you know? And, and, I, and she's like, she said, do you see it? I said, ooh, yeah. I said, are you, I mean, do you sell Herbalife? Is that what you, you're about to sell me, you know, a, a supplement or something? I mean, you, you're about to sell me that tea that gives you the, you know, <laughs> cleans you. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I, I was like, Oh, I said, yeah, unfortunately, she said, I see it. She said, no, look. She said, look real close. And I, I, I started looking real close. I was like, yeah, that doesn't get any better looking at it close. She said, I'm not talking about you. She said, do you see the angels? 
And so I started looking real hard. I was looking for Gabriel and Mikey, you know, my, my kids. I was looking for my kids because you know, they were little. And I'm like, no, they're not in this picture. She said, the angels are in that picture. And I said, no, I said, my, I don't see my kids anywhere. She said, you idiot, not your kids. The angel of the Lord. And I said, oh, and so I started looking and I started squinting and, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And she pointed at these orbs of light that were in the picture that I knew, I never, you know, I didn't ever consider that they were angels because I have, I took a picture at a KISS concert that had one of those orbs. And I am positive that there weren't any angels there. I saw Motley Crue in there with some orbs like that. At the Iron Maiden concert that I took pictures at, there were orbs like that. What it was was the refraction of light off of dust particles that looked like an orb of light. But this lady was like, no, that, that orb, it's the angels of God. And I was like, are you serious? Is this, is this what we're doing? Is, is this what we're doing? And, and listen, I, under, I understood it wasn't that I was being ugly, and I'm not. I'm not being ugly. I understand exactly why that woman was doing what she was doing. She's hungry. She's thirsty for God to do something. Someone else showed me a picture. They said, ooh, look at the, we, we took a picture, and the fire of God was in this meeting. Well, you know, it looked like one of them Bigfoot, you know, videos. I mean, this, this camera is like a, you know, high-tech digital, you know, 8K <laughs> camera, and, and, and it's all squiggly and, and blurry, and they said, do you see the fire? Well, I saw something that looked like it could have been fire, but, you know, I mean, if you really wanted to get creative, you could have called it fire, but Honestly, it was that light that was in the background that, you know, in the blur of the motion of the camera, uh, however they had it set, the blur of the motion just happened to make an image that looked, that, that, uh, that looked like the shape of a flame. But I knew good and well it I said, well, what happened in that meeting? Oh, nothing. We just, it, what, we, didn't, we didn't even know anything was going on until we, after we saw the picture. I was like, listen, if you didn't know anything was going on, if the fire of God was in that meeting and you didn't know nothing was going on, it wasn't the fire of God. I, that's what I told that lady with the picture of the orb. I was like, lady, if angels had been in this building, there'd be more than an orb on this picture. I'm telling you right now, if the angels of God had been in that building last, last night, you wouldn't have had to persuade me or persuade anyone else that, what, that something that you captured on film was an angel. We'd have said, we don't need a photographic proof. We, are, we have the evidence of it in the, in the fact that we came away and our lives were changed. Amen. But I understood, I understood why that person wanted, that, why people want to see smoke, why they want to, why they want to see the, because people are hungry, because people are thirsty, because people want a move of God. I went to a church where there was a fella, a pastor that had gotten up and he says, man, I'm pulling on God. I'm believing God. He's going to give me social security numbers. I was like, what the heck for? I mean, we have enough trouble with identity theft without preachers giving out people's social security numbers uh, from the pulpit. 
Heck, you don't even want to put your credit card into the gas pump at 7-Eleven anymore. You know, pretty soon you get a phone call from the bank saying someone is taking your card. They're making charges and you have to go through the, all the rigmarole of getting that all knocked off your, your, your bank account. And, and, and I thought, what in, what in the world? And then he began to tell a story of how he had gone to a church in California. He was like, he said, man, I've been believing God for social security numbers. I believe he's going to do it tonight. And he said, he just got out there in faith. He was like, I hear two. I'm getting a two and an eight. If you're two and eight, if you got a two and an eight in your social security, let's just, I see some of you like, whoa, wait a minute, pastor. What are you doing? How many of you got a two and an eight? Anybody? Two and an eight? Oh, see? See? Now, now I, there's a few of you here, but I'm going to narrow it down. Two, eight, two, eight, three. Two, eight, three. Yeah, two, eight, three, seven, seven. See, see, everybody like, whoa, glory to God. But, but see, and that, that's, and sometimes that's what, that's what happens in some of our media. People are like, man, it's working. No, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When God wants to reveal something, he don't, have to, he don't have to grope around in the dark. He don't have to meddle about. Listen, if God's going to tell you something, he will tell you straight up, straight out. He don't even need a man to tell you. He'll send a donkey to your house, and that donkey will look up in your face and tell you exactly what you need to know. So we're, so we're so hungry for the supernatural. There's been a generation. Are y'all still with me? There's been a, there's been a generation. This, I'm starting out this message and some of you would think, well, he must not believe in the supernatural. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're, 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 looking at a, you're looking at a guy that came out of the Mennonite church. I was saved in the Mennonite church, baptized in the Holy Ghost in the Mennonite church, and then went to the Mennonite church to preach to the Mennonites. The Spirit of God fell, and God filled people's teeth with silver and gold. Oh, yeah. And then I got kicked out of the Mennonite church. <laughs> because of signs and wonders and demonstrations of the power of the Spirit of God. While I'm preaching at that Mennonite youth conference, a wind of the Spirit blew into that meme. Man, listen, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you all this, but that night was the first night Annie and I actually went out to dinner kind of on a day. It wasn't our first date, but it was, a, it was our pre-date. But she was in that meeting where the wind of God, where the wind of the Spirit blew through that building and, and blew through that place. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, at the time, I was 17 years of age. And that, that wind of the Spirit was blowing through that building. And God supernaturally filled people's teeth with silver and gold. That night, when I had an altar call for people to get saved, people came running toward the front. And they didn't even make it to the altar to say a sinner's prayer. Before they could get to the altar to pray the sinner's prayer, the fire of God came on them and they were laid out under the power of God and began to speak with other tongues as God's spirit gave them utter. I mean, God did it backwards. He filled them with the Holy Ghost and then I led them in a sinner's prayer. I mean, God shook up my, my God shook up my religion that day. I was like, Lord, you can't baptize them in the Holy Ghost. They hadn't said the prayer yet. So my religious mind pulled those people up off the floor and had them pray a sinner's prayer when I knew good and well it was already done, and so did they. Okay. 
God is a supernatural God. He does supernatural things. You know, we sing that song, you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Listen, when God does a miracle, it's not like anything you've ever seen or ever experienced. You don't walk away from a miraculous demonstration of God. Listen, if you go into a meeting and the glory of God is present and the glory of God is manifested, you won't have to ask someone if if the glory of God was manifested or if the glory of God was there. You will leave that meeting and you will leave transformed and changed. Listen, you may, not, you may not get born again in that meeting, but you will leave that meeting scratching your head, wondering what in the world just happened in that place. There's a picture of a man named William Branham. He was, he was, uh, he was uh, in Houston, Texas. And there was a, a man from the Baptist church who had been challenging him to have a debate over, a, a debate over divine healing. Of course, William Branham ministered divine healing to many people by the Spirit. Seen many miracles out of his ministry. And this, this man from, uh, from uh, Texas kept challenging him, come, come and debate with me. I'll, wipe the, I'll mop the floor with you. You're afraid to debate with me. William Branham wouldn't respond to him. But William Branham had a fellow that traveled with him by the name of F.F. F. Bosworth. F.F. F. Bosworth wrote the book, Christ the Healer. It is the, uh, that F.F. That Bosworth book is a, uh, is, a, uh, a, is a part of the curriculum of nearly every Pentecostal charismatic Bible college on planet earth. When they, when they talk about divine healing, they stick that hand in your book at Bible college, at Bible school, and they say, divine healing, you need to read this book. Because F.F. Bosworth was an expert when it comes to divine healing. And so Bosworth said, listen, why don't you go and, and, and debate this guy? And William Branham, he made a good point. He said, why would I take my time? Why would I waste my time to debate with one man who doesn't believe when there are so many that are hungry and thirsty and that want to believe that are out there? He said, I'd rather, I'd rather preach to the 30,000, 40,000 people that want to believe or that do believe than to try to persuade one man who doesn't believe and who probably won't believe. So Bosworth said, well, can I go? And William Branham said, go ahead. So F.F. F. Bosworth showed up for William Branham at that meeting. William Branham ended up going to the meeting. There were, there were if, I, if I remember this right, there were nearly 30,000 people in attendance in that meeting. 30,000 people wanted to come and hear divine healing debated by two men that stood on either side of the issue. And William Branham said that he, had, he sat way up in the nosebleed section, way in the back, trying to hide so that no one would see him, so that no one would know that he was there. And from what I understand, the way it was reported, within 10 minutes, F.F. Bosworth wiped up the floor with this guy, and he stood there with nothing to say because F.F. Bosworth had made such a persuasive case for, uh, for divine healing that he couldn't be... Re- it reminded me of the story that you hear about Stephen, that the Spirit of God was upon him so strong and the wisdom of God was on. Are y'all hearing me today? What? See, we've not, we've not seen that kind of recognizable move of the Spirit. 
All we've seen is what happened with Jesus when he went to his hometown. We've just seen a few sick people healed. But we've never seen the kind of move of God that leaves, the, that leaves men that have wisdom upon wisdom and degree upon degree speechless. Uh, when, when one that doesn't have any learning speaks under the power of the Spirit, they're just left in awe of what the... The Bible says that no one could resist the wisdom of Stephen. Stephen, Stephen was a waiter. Stephen was feeding widows and orphans food. And scribes and priests that had been trained up from, from, from their childhood couldn't resist the wisdom. The Bible says they couldn't overcome him because of the anointing and the supernatural power of God's spirit that was on his life. That's what happened with F.F. F. Bowsworth that day. That's not even the part I want to tell you. After F.F. Bosworth wipes the floor with this guy, this guy says, well, you're not William Branham, and I don't, he's going on and on. And, and, and Bosworth says, Brother Branham is here. I don't know whether he'll come down here or not, but I'm, I'm more than willing to allow him to come down here and uh, dismiss this service, this time that we've had together in prayer, he says, because I don't think there's anything else that needs to be discussed. Now listen, here's the audience that was there. Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Assembly of God people. I mean, sinners. In fact, the press corps, that guy had called up all the press in Houston, Texas. And so newspapers, magazines, they were all in this group of the press corps that was there to watch. I mean, it was a spectacle. This guy was just trying to get notoriety. And so NBC, ABC, CBS, that's who was there. And they're all there with their cameras, taking pictures of the event. William Branham, the way he testified, I'm not trying to take a whole long time, man. I'm not even going to get to the message. Well, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um, I'm not telling you to be quiet. I was telling Siri to be quiet. She's she trying to tell me what to do here. <laughs> William Branham said that while he was sitting there in the, in the auditorium, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And when Bosworth said, if, if Brother Branham wants to come, he can go ahead and come. The Spirit of God had already told him, get down there. And so William Brandon made his way out of the nosebleed section down to the platform. Of course, all the cameras are popping and everyone's taking pictures and everyone is, you know, and, and so there's this, and there's this famous picture. If you, if you can find the picture and put it up, it'd be great. Oh, yeah. So all these pictures are popping in the, and according, according to the testimony of witnesses, William Branham stood up there and he, and he uh, greeted the people. <laughs> He thanked them for coming. He was gracious toward this Baptist brother. He treated him graciously and then simply went to pray a prayer of dismissal, what some people would call the benediction, a prayer of dismissal. But the reports say that when he opened up his mouth to pray, all of the sudden, something came in the building. Not only were people that were saved aware of it, but the people that were even more aware of it were the people that were unsaved. So I have the, I have the witness testimony from the photographer that took the picture. 
That, that photographer took pictures for time, for life, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, different, different, uh, he, he was a, uh, a photographer that took pictures for magazines with notoriety, I mean famous magazines. That's the picture. Now, if you ever take a picture with something like that over my head, I'm going to tell you what will happen before you ever get the picture shot. Because what happened was, is William Branham opened up his mouth to pray. And when he opened up his mouth to pray, something came in the room. And when something came in, we know what came in the room. The Holy Ghost came in the room. You know how I know it was the Holy Ghost? He said, because everybody in the built, 30,000 people fell out on the floor under the power of God's Spirit. Even people that didn't know what was going on. This photographer said he remembers pushing the button on the camera, hearing the click of the shutter, and then two and a half hours later, he opens his eyes and he is looking at the ceiling of this great auditorium. He is with another photographer. He looks over at the press corps. All of, listen, are y'all hearing me? Everyone in the press corps is laid out under the power of God. And everyone in the building is coming to at the same time. He said no one said a word. He said there was an eerie silence. All you could hear was the shuffling of people's feet as they exited the building. William Branham was nowhere to be found. F.F. Bosworth was nowhere to be found. The only one that was there was that Baptist man, and he's dragging his butt off the floor. He's the only one on the stage dragging his butt off the floor after the power of God touched him. This man said that he and another photographer walked all the way to their hotel from, the, from that stadium, from that place. They walked, and they didn't say a word. They just looked at one another like, is this real? Listen, some of you are believers and you've never had an encounter like that. Some of you are believers and you've never, some of you are believers and you've never been. Listen, I, I, thank God I can testify. I know exactly what happened to them. I know exactly how they felt because I have been there and I've been there on more than one occasion. And you know what? It is my hope that we as a church in this hour will step into a place where, are y'all hearing me today? Listen, that's the, it's not, we're not asking God to do something that he doesn't desire to do. We're not asking God to do something that he's not willing to to do. I will tell you this. We're asking God to do something that we're going to have to be willing and patient enough for him to do it and us not try to manufacture it. I refuse to call something God that I am not 100% fully persuaded that it's God. Sometimes we get in our sometimes we get in our emotions. Sometimes we get in that place of hunger and in that place of thirsting. And in that place, we are extremely tempted because of our desire for him. This is I'm, t- I'm telling you this for a reason. I'm, I'm gonna do my best to get every bit of this out. So the photographer, after he sees, after he, he, his friend, the only thing his friend says to him is, well, I'll see you tomorrow. 
this guy gets to his room and he's like, think, I wish I'd have brought the, the, the I, re, I could read it to you, his, his account of this. But he said, he thought, I took a picture. He said, I, I took a picture. He said he didn't go to sleep. He set up a dark room in his, you, had to, you, used to, you used to have to do that with film. He set up a dark room in his hotel room and he got out all of his stuff and all of his equipment and he, uh, and he uh, what do you, how do you call it? He uh, developed the film and the picture that he snapped before he hit the floor is that picture. And that fire that is over William Branham's head is that same fire that the Bible talks about in the book of Acts when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Was William Branham a god? No. Was William Branham special? Yes, he was special in that he had an encounter that day that most of you have never had. But what God has done for one, he'll do for all. He, say this with me. He's no respecter of persons. In other words, he won't do for one and not do for another. But there was something about this, this dude's life. Now, was, was, he, was this guy always right? No. He was living in a time where God was determined he was going to do something extraordinary. And so there's this stirring. So let me, now, now, now that I've developed this, I can, get, I can, can, I, can I get, at least give you a part of this? So Matthew chapter 7. Here's what I shared with my leaders yesterday. I didn't read this to them, but here's what I was sharing with my leaders. We've been so, we've been so, and, and we, we have such a desire for God to move that what, what people have seen manifested in this season have been the manifestation of, of the gifts that people carry in their lives. You know, God gives people gifts. And those gifts give us a glimpse into different facets of God's nature and we see different things manifested through these gifts and we 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 see the lord and they're wonderful gifts um td jakes has a wonderful gift to preach listen i love to hear that brother man i love to hear that guy preach bill winston that guy has a teaching gift man anytime i turn on bill winston i turn on bill winston four hours can go by i mean i'm sitting there for four hours then i go to writing stuff down i'm write this down such a teaching gift. I turned on Benny Hinn last week. You go in my office right now, crank on my Apple TV. You know who's going to come up? Benny Hinn. Now every time I'm in there, I just, I just hit play again. What, a, what an extraordinary gift of healing that, that manifests through his life. Every one of you that are here, You've become aware since you, especially if you come to Winter Church, since you've come to Winter Church, God, you know, the Bible says that Jesus led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Some of you have discovered you have a gift. 
the first thing that happens when the Holy Spirit begins to stir in people and begins to work and the power of God begins to fall is that whatever we've had a reliance upon, we tend to want to lean on that. And we tend to want to find our identity in whatever it is that we have, whatever it is that we're carrying. And people want to identify us by gift. Benny Hinn is the healing evangelist, right? Bill Winston is the teacher. Rodney Howard Brown is the laughing revival guy, right? We want to identify people by their gift. But the, the thing that we have to be careful of when God begins to move by his spirit is that we don't find our identity in the gifts that are stirred up and manifested when we're in the presence of God. Because if you allow your gift to become your identity, you will never discover God's purpose for your life. You will run from place to place Presenting people with your gift. And, and listen, people will be glad to take your gift. But you know what? Your, your gift is only one page in your book. Someone give me a book. Thank you. Imagine this is your life. I've, I, had pro, I've, I had prophecies for, for people. I'm going to make you lose your place, Debbie, but I think you'll be able to find it. Um, for people. Well, this is a fancy book, too. That looks like a Debbie book. <laughs> I've had prophecies like this for people, and I never thought about it until I got that, the word of prophecy. But the Lord, the Lord showed me one time I was praying for someone, and when I was praying for him, I began to see a picture before my eyes. And I saw this person standing there, and they were standing. It, 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 it was a giant lectern. It was a giant podium. And this person that I'm praying for is standing in front of this podium. And there's a line of people behind this podium. And on this podium is a giant book. And these people are stepping up to the podium and they're licking their finger and they're thumbing through this book and looking at this individual. And they thumb through the book and, and then they, they find a page and they got excited and they took that page and they ripped it out of the book and they folded it in their hands and they put the page in their pocket and walked away and then the next person came started flipping and did the same thing you know what the Lord told me when I was seeing that he said that book is that person's life he said in all of their lives all of this, pe this person's life they have had people thumb through the pages of their life and only rip out the pages that they liked they only ripped out the pages that would serve them they only ripped out the pages that were beneficial to them and they took that page and they left the rest of the book there and walked away with that page and and as i saw that happen the person that whose life was that book with every page that was ripped out they became more and more defeated You know what I didn't really realize was happening in that book was that 
these people that were being burdened down as people took pages out of their book, that, that book represented the gift that they were to the body of Christ. And these people, instead of identifying with who they were in Christ and finding out what their purpose was, they identified with their... And they let people identify them by their gift. When you allow yourself to be identified by your gift, you will never go on to fulfill your purpose. You want to know why? Because people won't let you fulfill your purpose. Because most people will only want your gift and they won't want anything to do with what your purpose is. That's what, that's what happens with, that's what's happened. That's why some of y'all's lives are in a, sh that's why some of y'all's lives end up shipwrecked so regularly. Because you're not identifying, you, you, you're not finding your identity in who God created you to be. You're, you're, not, you're not finding your identity in who you be. You're finding your identity in what you do. Here's what I told our leaders yesterday. What we don't realize in fact, we had an exercise. What we don't realize is that people are not as impacted by our gift as they are impacted by our, our identity in Christ. As they are by us running after God to fulfill our purpose. And I proved it. I asked people, I said, tell me what, I took Pastor Annie, I said, tell me what has been the most impactful thing about Pastor Annie's life? And, you know, when, when you, when you, when you uh, uh, take inventory of your life, and I want you to think about this for a second. How has Annie most impacted, Pastor Annie most impacted your life? Someone tell me something about Annie that has been impactful to your life, that has that has helped you, that, is, that has brought change to your life? Anybody? Character. She, so she's in, she has integrity, huh? Growth from where she was to where she is now. She makes good banana pudding. Huh? She shows a lot of love. Anybody else? Huh? Loyal, faithful, nurturing. She prays. She's patient. She's classy. Huh? Best friend. Mother, she mothering. Now think about all those attributes. Notice how only one of them could have been gift, which was banana pudding. Now, Annie has a gift. How, how many of you ever heard her teach or preach? She's gifted. Has that impacted your life? Yeah, but you know what? It didn't impact your life enough for you to say it first. Because gifting is impactful. Gifting is impactful, but there's something more impactful. Now I'm gonna 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 bring it all together here because some of y'all like how's this go with all that you were saying about the, the demonstration of the power of the spirit? I'm gonna help you. 
most people, most of what we see happening that, that is causing the body of Christ to be buzzing with, you know, with activity and with anticipation of what God is going to do has to do with gifting. And what happens when God shows up in power is it intensifies the uh, attractiveness of the gifting. Your gift gets better. It flows more smoothly. It, it has more, seemingly more power. But what, what will always trump your gift is your purpose. Do you know why Annie is motherly? Because that's the purpose of God for her life. Do you know why she's consistent? That has to do with God's purpose. Do you know why she's loving? That has to do with her purpose. That, that has to do with her being established in her identity in Christ. You know what happens to the person that their identity is wrapped up in their gift? When the gift isn't working or doesn't work well or they're not, they don't have an opportunity to do that gift, their life is in shambles. The Holy Spirit is no longer leading their life. Their gift is leading their life. Wherever their gift takes them, that's where they'll go. And they need for that to happen. Because where are they going to get that? Listen, when you got to do your gift, that, that's why uh, there are some pastors, they, when, they, when they retire, they don't know what to do anymore because they, uh, their identity was wrapped up in a gift. They didn't establish their life on who they were in Christ. They didn't establish their life on their identity, on the purpose for which God called them. But you know what? When you're established in your identity in Christ, when you're established in the purpose for which God called you, <laughs> woo, glory. No matter what happens in life, you'll always be planted on a firm foundation. Are y'all hearing me? Your gift shouldn't be your firm foundation. Christ should be your firm foundation. You know what? Manifestations of the Spirit are about to abound. Can I finish this? Oh, yeah. I, know, I know we're running a little late. If you, listen, if your butt's falling asleep, turn the other cheek. It'll, it'll help you out. I'm going to show you something that many people don't realize in this book of Matthew chapter 7. Here, here's the thing. Lewis, you got to quit. I'm, not, I'm just saying this as an example for everybody. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling you out or rebuking you. But yeah, yeah, really, but you got to quit letting people rip one page out of your book. You're more than just your gift. The most impactful part of your life, the most impactful part of your life aren't on the pages of the gift that God gave you. The, the gift, in fact, the gift has absolutely nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. Your gift is not a reflection of you and how good you are and how wonderful you are. None of, none of that. That gift has nothing to do with that.
As God's spirit begins to draw us in, here's what's going to happen. Look what it says in verse uh, something, 21. Matthew 7, 21, I'm going to read this quick. Not everyone that says, I'm reading this in New King, uh, English Standard. <laughs> I thought it was New King James, English Standard. English Standard. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I don't, I'm, that's not what I want you to see. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I just want to give you a complete picture. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Gift. And cast out demons. Gift. And do many mighty works. Gifts. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know what? We always stop there. We always stop there. But Jesus wasn't done talking. Look what he says. I'll, I'll bet some of you have never connected these two things. But look what it says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded upon let me ask you a question. When the wind blows and when the fire falls and when the earth shakes, what happens to your house? Listen, you could you could say, listen, I'm preaching right now. You could say, amen. You can say all you want to that you're doing the will of God, that you're doing well. Well, I'm doing the way the Lord told me. Lord told me. Oh, the Lord told you. So then why every time it rains and every time the wind blows and every time a flood happens and every time a storm comes, your house is swept away and we're watching it go down the street? We're all running trying to help you catch your house. Could it be that you weren't built on who you are? Who you be? Could it be maybe you were too focused on what you do? You know, the Bible, Paul, Paul, said, so, Paul said something to the church. He said, he said to them, he said, I am, a, I am a wise master in the book of Corinthians. I am a wise master builder. He didn't say he was a wise master blesser. I am a wise master builder. He didn't say I'm a wise master blesser. God hadn't just called us to bless. He has called us to bless, but not just bless. He's called us to build. Say this with me. Say, Christ is my firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation. Look at what verse 26 says. It says, uh, the rain fell. No, let's verse 25. Rain fell, the floods came, wind blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who have these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the winds came and, and uh, floods came and the winds blew uh, and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Mm -hmm. You reckon that those two verses might be connected with one another? Yeah. 
Now listen, you say, wait a minute, Pastor. How does, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Did we do? How is that connected with the rains came, the winds blew, but there wasn't a firm foundation? Here's why. Because we associate rain and winds and floods with the devil. With difficulties in life. I'm almost done. I don't have a watch, so I'm almost, I know I'm almost done. We, we, we associate that verse of scripture with trials and tribulations. How many of you associate that scripture with trials and tribulations? Struggles, troubles, trials, tribulations. But you know what? I read over there in the book of Ezekiel. How did I get two of these? Um, did I take yours? All right, yeah. Um, I read over in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, the Bible says that Ezekiel was standing in the midst of a valley of dry bones, and God tells him, prophesy to the bones. And you know what God tells him to prophesy to the bones? Prophesy to the wind. And prophesy to the wind, blow, wind, blow. Didn't we hear that during revival? Blow, wind, blow. And so what did, what did, what did Ezekiel do? He prophesied to the wind. What happened? Well, the wind blew. The wind blew. Joel chapter 2. The Bible tells us this. Before it says God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, it says this, that God will send the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Amen. And as a result of that, you're, the floor will be full of wheat. In other words, there'll be so much wheat, there, there won't be enough room in the, in what do they call those? Silos to contain them. It'll spill over and onto the floor. And you'll be walking on the abundance of what came as a result of the former rain and the latter rain together. You're, you're, uh, the, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, the floors will be full of wheat and the, and the fats will overflow with wine and oil. Overflow. Why? Because of the rain. Now, was that a, was that a bad storm? No, that was, that was, amen. We used to sing a song. Uh, back in the Rodney days when he was over there at Lakeland. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. I feel it falling down on me. Send down your rain, Lord. Send down your rain, Lord. Send down your ladder rain. Carolyn's like, we didn't do that one. What we don't realize is that what Jesus was also talking about is that when the Spirit of God begins to blow and the rain of the Spirit begins to fall and the flood of the Holy Ghost begins to come into the church, if you are not founded and established on the right foundation, if you've been foolish to identify with your gift, Lord, I, I, I did my gift Everywhere I went, I served. I was a great master blesser. We ought to be concerned that when all someone wants from us is our gift. We ought to be concerned that when all we want to offer is our gift. You know what I told our leaders? And I'm going to tell you this. And this has always been true. Nothing has changed. It's always been this way. 
God hasn't put me in the preaching ministry. God hasn't put me in the preaching business. God's put me in the people business. God has sent me to preach the message of redemption, the message of reconciliation, the message that God is still the same God today as he's always been. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He is a light in the dark. And listen, while I'm preaching that word, there will be extraordinary manifestations of the spirit. But you know what the foundation is? The foundation is the, the gospel, the message, the good news. Gabe, you're not in the worship business. Eric, Michael, Nikhil, all y'all on the way. Y'all aren't, aren't in the worship business. Derek. Some of us care more about maintaining our image than we do developing Our identity. You know, for being in the people business, we sure don't want to hang around many of them. For being in the people business, y'all sure do head out of here quick when church is over with and don't want to, oh, we're done. You know why? You know why you can do that? Because you've not yet identified with who you really are and what the purpose of God is for your life. It's God's purpose for you to be a rescuer of men, a rescuer. But listen, we're not, I'm not just talking about people that are lost. Are get, did y'all get this today? Some people believe that the church is going to grow because the sick are healed. And the, listen, people aren't being drunk. We see the sick healed. We see the bound set free. Nobody comes to this church because they like the building. It's a beautiful building. But that's not why they're coming. People are going to come. People don't come for listen, even though people look at do you have a children's ministry? Yeah, we have a children's people don't listen, people don't really when when you get in the presence of God, people don't care nothing about no children's ministry. You will throw your kid under a chair. That's how that's how my grand that's how our grandparents did. Our grandparents didn't care. Listen, my grand my grandmother, we got to church, she threw you under the chair. She's like, don't move. Some people are like, well, we need to teach. We need to teach our children. Listen, we haven't learned yet. How are we supposed to teach them when we don't know nothing? But let the Spirit of God roll up in here. See, when the Spirit of God rolls up in here and then three hours later you're dragging your butt off the floor, you know what's going to happen? Your gift is going to be like, supercharged. And you know what some people are going to do? They're just going to run around with their gifts. Prophesying. And it's going to be awesome. Because God's going to use people. But do you know where he wants you planted and established? In him. When you come and you open up your Bible. 
that first song is over with. Everybody, everybody, where's Carolyn? That first song's over. Where's Carolyn? They don't even see her until she gets right about here. <laughs> and some people are like, where's that voice coming from? When, the, when, the, when it's up high, you know? <laughs> but you know what, Carolyn? There have been a time or two, and, and, well, a time or two. Been often in my life. And when I got up to preach, I got up to preach to be heard. When I got up to exhort, I got up to be heard. But every time I get in his presence, you know what happens to me? I get up to be obedient. In fact, sometimes I can't even hardly get through the message without just feeling like throwing down my Bible or my iPad or whatever and saying, y'all, let's just pray. We need him today. You know, it's not, that, it's, not that we're, it's not that we're off in some kind of terrible sin. It's that God is preparing us for what he's going to do. And when the rain of the Spirit falls and the wind of the Spirit flow, flow, blows and the, and the floods of God come, you know what's going to happen? If your identity is only wrapped up in your gift, your house is going to blow away. But if you're wise, I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. And God is getting ready to do things that most of us have never seen him do before. Go ahead now. But before that happens, take advantage of the time that we have. These times that we're getting together, I know, I know some of you, I know some of you, you're already, you don't even need to hear this message. You're all good. You're better than, you're doing better than me. I'll tell you right now, I'm not doing that good. I'm not doing that good. I'm not in a desperate place. I'm not facing the worst week of my life. There's nothing like that. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Our house is filled with joy and gladness and fire. Annie and I, you know what? Annie and I aren't on the brink of divorce. We're not fighting like cats and dogs. Um, it's better between us, better than it's ever been. It just keeps getting better and better and gooder and gooder. Do you know, where, you know where the trouble comes? When I get in his presence and he reveals those corners of my life. Those places that I've tried to hide away from him. Lord, I can do this without you taking this, can I? You know that people business thing? He hit me with that. That's why I hit you with it. Because I figure if I had to hear it, you're going to have to hear it too. Stand up, will you?
For being in the people business, Carolyn, we sure do try to get away from them. Especially certain ones. Ones that we know are going to take up our time. We want to pick and choose. Do you know what God wants to do? God wants to send someone in your life that needs discipleship. God wants to send someone in your life that's broken. There's some schizophrenics that God wants to deliver. But we cross the street whenever we see them coming. There's people that are addicted to drugs, bound with addiction. And when we see them, instead of saying, yes, Lord, we're like, man, we sure don't want them coming to the house. Did y'all hear what I just said? We sure don't want them coming to the house. God has sent some people up in this church. And sometimes when we found out who they were, what they were capable of. There's people God sent to this church that he was trying to rescue them from death. From prison. From bondage. How merciful and how gracious God is to reach out over and over and over and over again. And you know what? Some fail. They end up back in the world. In bondage. You know what I say when God sends people like that here? And then we look, because there's a, I'm thinking of one person in particular that's a part of this church, been a part of this church, and ended up in a real bad, in a real bad way. And you know what? You know when someone's had the gall to say to me, what does that say about your church? What does it say about our church that God sent someone that was so broken and so deficient and so spiritually destitute that the only hope this individual had was to spend time with us? That this was the opportunity that God gave him to escape death? Lord, may we be worthy. May we find ourselves in a place worthy enough and yielded enough to your spirit that you would send a hundred more. That you'd give us a thousand opportunities to share the love of Jesus and the good news. Share the hope. Are y'all hearing me today? This that God is doing, I, I didn't expect him to do this this way.
I expected there to be a Hammond B3 and I thought we'd be holding our backs by now. You understand? I thought we'd be running the backs of pews and shouting. Had, not, had no idea that the beginning of this would be, you need to die. Oh, yeah. So that I can live. Lord, I thought for 37 years. I don't know if I communicated this last week. I'm going to let you go with this. I'm, I'm going to let you go with this. David, when he went to sacrifice, God told him, I want you to sacrifice. I want you to give me a sacrifice. I want you to give me the threshing floor. I want you to do this. And David, David went to do it. And the man that he went to buy the threshing floor from and the sacrifice from, the guy says, hey, look, King David, I honor you so much. Just here, take the, here's an ox. Here's the threshing floor. Here's everything you need for your sacrifice. Out of honor to you and honor to God, may the Lord accept your sacrifice. You know what David said? I don't accept your gift. I refuse to offer anything to God that I didn't have to pay for. I will buy it from you. I will buy it from you. It used to cost me something to come to church. But when it became my routine, it no longer cost me a thing. Therefore, it was no longer a sacrifice. To stay at church for as long as we've been right now, it used to be a sacrifice to me. But you know what? I've preached so long and gotten so long-winded and kept people for so long. I mean, when you do 30 weeks, 40 weeks, a a year of revival, you've gotten yourself out there. When you've been away from home, been away from family, do you know what the you know what the Lord's trying to tell me and He's trying to tell us? I don't want this stuff that don't cost you nothing. I don't want you giving me stuff that somebody gave you. I don't want me you giving me offerings that someone gave you the money for. It means nothing. It means nothing. When it's hard for you to give God what he's asking. When it's hard for you to do it. That's when you begin to open up the door. That's when you begin to open up that place. That's, that's, that's the place where this generation has never gotten to. You know, religious people, religious people are just like, I don't take all that. All right. <clears throat> Go play golf then. Go fishing. Go hunting. Go do your Super Bowl deal. God knows if you don't go do your Super Bowl deal, the whole world's going to end. Ain't anybody good in the Super Bowl this year anyhow? Like I would know. I never. <laughs> My wife is over there like, boy, don't even be trying. <laughs> You know Dallas ain't there. (laughs) Listen, get in his presence. Not just today. 
you know what, tonight, y'all are, y'all will be telling me, Pastor, are we getting together today? You know what, are we? I don't know how, but most of you have keys to this building. I would be delighted to get a notification on my phone saying, Winner's Church just posted a message. We're here and he's here. Wait a minute, where am I? I'll tell you where I would be. I'd be in the car because I ain't about to let you guys go without me. You hearing me? As far as I'm concerned, the place is always open as long as there's someone here. And if you're hungry and if you're thirsty, if you really want to find your purpose, if you really want to discover your identity, it's going to be hard. Because this exposure that's taking place is not happening in the dark, in the back, in another room. It's here with everybody else. Our worship team, our worship team is going to stumble through songs they've never known. Gabe be throwing out these songs recently. He got Nakia getting her phone out. <laughs> Just to know the words. He was playing, y'all don't know this, but Friday he, he played that song, Yahweh, what is it called? Yeshua? He never Nakia went to sing it. He's like, all he knew was the Yeshua part. So when she started singing another poem, he's having to figure it out. Listen, we're, our worship team's going to look like amateurs for a while until, until we allow ourselves to catch up. But you know what? Nothing's off limits. Anything could happen. I threw some songs at Gabe. He did, he, I was like, figure it out. Let's figure it out. He's like, I'll try. That's hard. That's where, but that's where God lives. At that altar of sacrifice. When you're bleeding. When you're not enough. When you're laying at that altar. Lord, I'm not enough, but you're more than enough. So Father, I pray that these words have been spoken here today. This message that has been preached will be branded in the hearts of your people. Lord, tests are coming, not tests in the form of difficulties or struggles or troubles, but tests of obedience. What will we do? What will we do? And so I pray, Father, that you will extend your grace toward us and help us in the decisions that we make in the coming days. Lord, we trust you. grateful for you. We won't neglect, we won't neglect, when you tell us we won't neglect to be doers. We will do what you tell us to do. But God, we want to be everything that you want us to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that many are discovering who they are today. 
that they're finding their identity, Lord, in their purpose and not in their gift. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And everybody that believed it said amen. Thank God. Thank God. Listen, I'm, I'm in the same position today as I was last week. I, I, don't, I don't have any prompting of the Lord to lay hands on anybody and pray for anybody. But listen, if you do need prayer, there are people here that will pray with you. And so if, uh, if when we turn everybody loose, if you have a, and don't, uh, here's the other thing. Don't think that once I turn you loose, it's over. I turned everybody loose Friday and halfway through our getting out the door, Gil had a, a tongue. He's like, it's like, stop, everybody stop too, boy. We were done, but he wasn't done. You know, some people are like, well, shouldn't we then, shouldn't we be more careful? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If God can stop us in our tracks on our way out the door through a tongue. One time I was leaving, I was leaving a meeting as a Howard Brown, as a Roddy Howard Brown meeting. I was walking out, I was in the hallway. We were on our way out. We was on our way to the Waffle House. Man, I was, I was, I could already feel the butter running down my elbow from that waffle. I got in the hallway, a bunch of us and Ted, he's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. He goes in the bathroom, there's about 12 of us in this hallway, just minding our own business and the power of God hits us. We all get laid out in a hallway after church. Ted walks out, he's like, I missed it. I, I think yeah, he was, I think he just laid down, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm Lay down and see if I get something, you know. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you get out in the parking lot. Don't be surprised if you get over to Charleston's and they show you para fire and someone takes some grease off of that chicken and glory to God. Start anointing people with oil. Amen. Thank God. But <laughs> Listen, I love you. I appreciate you. Go in his presence before you leave. Love someone because you do. Don't forget what's happening this week. I will see many of you on Wednesday. And then the rest of you, I will see you on Friday. And let's, let's trust the Lord. Let's believe God. Only God knows what will be happening up in here this week. But uh, if, 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 if I'm prompted or you're prompted, somebody might be here this week. Just keep your, eye, keep your eyes on social media and on the, mostly on the app. We'll, we'll get a message out. But uh, I love you guys. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. I'll see you guys later this week.